Hello, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. It's great to be with you today. Um, <clears throat> as you all know, I always do an immediate recap after the game. Then I go and assess, get a bunch of information, talk to some people, coaches, players, try to talk to people when I can on the other side, and then talk to some other people around the league, get some analysis. It's just kind of you know a few hours later, but another breakdown of the game to look at some things. Now, <clears throat> I put a tweet out. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or not. If you don't, it's at a, the at sign, Hondo, H-O-N-D-O, Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. Put a tweet out during the game that this is a game that the Raiders would have lost last year. And uh, <clears throat> if you go, you can also watch all the video I put up from the locker room. I interviewed nine players. Um, don't know what happened to my camera on the Colton Miller one. It's sideways. I apologize about that. I wasn't going to post it, but still I thought you would want to at least be able to hear his reactions. Um, so I did, but uh, talk to several people on camera, a lot off because you get more information there and um, got some good information. So I, I put this tweet out during the game but this is a game that the Raiders would have lost last year. And I want to always be careful because the Raider Nation is extremely sensitive with comments like that. And understandably, that's not a criticism. Um, because if you say anything about last year and it's a negative connotation, and when you say this is a game that they wouldn't have lost – Instantly, a group of fans think it's an attack on Derek Carr, and it's not. Or if you were to say something negative about this year but positive about last year, you have a bunch of people that jump on, you know, you're just attacking it. That, that I hope by now I have earned in the credibility with you that I'm not out there just wantonly criticizing people. I think too many people in the media do that. I think it's important. Sometimes our eyes can deceive us, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um because there was a couple observations that changed after talking to some people. And I think that's very, very important because there are so many dynamics that go into a game in the National Football League. Um, and so I want to explain why I believe that, because when you look at the fact the Raiders had won the previous six, well, what would make you think they wouldn't win this one? Well, and I think that would be a very fair synopsis or question. I don't know if I got those. I just quit reading any comments, but um, I want to address that very quickly. The Raiders go down, they get a, a penalty on, a, on an aggression penalty uh, where they going to get the ball back, roughing the kicker. Denver keeps the drive alive. They've got a, a penalty on Marcus Peters, which I'm going to address in a minute. Um, and then Jimmy trying to force a ball in in the red zone interception. Okay. Those are all legit. But if you think the team that the Raiders played last year was the same Broncos team that they played here, you're nuts. You're certifiable. And what I mean by that is, Nathaniel Hackett may have been one of the worst head coaches to ever coach in the National Football League. I mean, horrible. 
terrible. In the words of Church Charles Barkley, terrible. And I mean, their scheme was horrific. You never had any concerns about the coaching and in the adjustments at all. Um, I mean, the only guy, I mean, just terrible. <clears throat> and so, first of all, they weren't going against the same team. I mean, Russell Wilson, he was not only better than what he was last year. I mean, exponentially better. He was exponentially better than his last year in Seattle. Their defense, very good last year. I thought it was extremely good, extremely good today. Then you, you know, so I, I don't even think you can compare. It's not the same Broncos team. And it's not the same Raider team. So when you make those kind of statements, uh, I talk to a bunch of players about that, uh, coaches, um, people in leadership. And then I even reached out and texted with a couple of other coaches whose teams play the Raiders or have played the Raiders last year who were watching the game, and I just kind of got their synopsis. And uh, I want to read to you what one of them said, uh, what he texted me. This is a very high-ranking member of management on another NFL team that I'm very close with. And here's what he said to me. Totally agree. This Broncos team's significantly better than where I thought they would be. Sean's done a really good job, and you could tell. I have no argument with that. I also think the Raiders are much better. That's a very fair analysis. Okay, now that's coming from a member of NFL management who's you know had opportunity, who does this for a living. And and again, I, I to me, the biggest one that stood out was when I was in the locker room and I said that to um, <clears throat> Devontae Adams. And he looked right over at Josh McDaniels and goes, I was just saying this to, I mean, to Josh Jacobs, I was just saying this to the guys. He was just telling Josh Jacobs that this, this game we would have lost. So again, um, I don't, I, I think it's just two different teams. If the Raiders last year were playing this, this Broncos team, I think they would have lost. So I just wanted to kind of address that and, and talk about where that comes from. Now I want to address a couple things here that I think are extremely germane. So the Raiders get, and I'm, I got notes. I'm not trying to deceive you, make it look like I'm doing this all off, but I'm, I'm looking at my notes. Um, Jerry Tillery was interesting to me. He had a, a bad penalty. And, you know, we've seen him in the past with a bad, one bad, really one bad penalty last year. And as a vet, got to get away from those. But I thought Jerry Tillery, especially after getting talking to some people, getting some look at some film, I did not watch the game in totality. Um, but I was able to get a couple cut-ups set to me and some things. Um, I thought Jerry Tillery, he stood out to me. Um, there were some times that he was right at the point of attack. Um, there was one play in particular and Jerry likes to move his body. So let me give you an example. One of the ways that you know what the, about blocking is straight on when you're an offensive lineman. As a defensive lineman, your job is to accumulate, especially at tackle, your job is to accumulate as much of the opponent's line because if they're engaged, see, it's 11 on 11, you know that. But if you now need two offensive linemen to stop me. 
Now somebody doesn't have somebody on them. And there's an old saying, put a hat on a hat. And so if there's two offensive linemen stopping a Jerry Tillery, that means a Luke Masterkin, Masterson, a Devon Diablo, Robert Spillane, whomever, is free. And there were on three occasions with Jerry Tillery that he gets into the he, – he, he wants to attack the gap between the linemen. Why? Because then when you turn, if I'm engaging the guard – but I'm here, that tackle now has to join. <clears throat> and there was a couple times where he grabs the guard, pushes forward. I mean, wham, grabs the guard. The tackle then has to engage him. But there's a pulling guard, and Tillery then moves him. <clears throat> so all of a sudden, <clears throat> you've got <clears throat> your defensive tackle that ideally the Broncos are trying to get one guy on who's now taken up two gaps, so he's got the, the guard and the tackle engaged with him. But because of his speed and force, he's he now stops a pulling guard from doing what – and that wasn't like they did that all day. But he kept him from doing what he needed. There was another time where um, another guy's coming across and he did three guys. So I saw three plays where he engaged three people. And you saw Divine Diablo, Robert Spillane. It was one of Robert's tackles. But you just saw some really good plays. So I did not give Jerry as much credit as I feel like he deserved. Um, and that's, that's, I'm sorry, there's just 22 guys on the field on a play, and I can only watch so many. And um, I just missed it. And so I saw one. I didn't realize it was three people. But going back and looking at that, I thought Jerry Tillery, again, a mistake on the penalty, but remember – anybody that plays a perfect game didn't play. So I, I thought Jerry Tillery did very well. Next, I want to talk about um, the offense. I did get a lot of people that asked me this, and I thought it was a very germane question about Hunter Renfro. Uh, he did not get any targets, um, but a couple of those things I need to relate because uh, some people are asking me, is that because they're trying to trade him? No, it has nothing to do with it. They're good. The relationship between them is good. Um, here is the issue of what happened. Now, you may remember, I've extensively talked to you about, I, even going back into last year, the Josh McDaniel system is predicated, unless it's a five-step, which is very rare, but unless it's a five-step, it's one, two, out, talking about the ball. About 2.8 seconds, 2.9 maybe is max. And that's how you avoid sacks. Now, the Raiders' offensive line was tremendous. They were really, really good. Jimmy got no sacks. Um, and they deserve a ton of credit for how well that Dylan Parham, you guys, work of art, Greg Van Roten, Andre Sims was, was I mean, Andre James. Sorry, I have a friend, Andre Sims. Andre James was great. I thought Colton was super good. Jermaine Illuminor uh, very, very good. I, I thought the offensive line was just exceptional. But especially, I mean, they were all good. But, man, if you go back and watch Van Roten and you go back and watch Dylan Parham, those guys just put on a show. I mean, Colton, he's so good. He's so underrated, one of the most underrated players in the National Football League. And, uh, again, I thought the whole offensive line was tremendous. But – Jimmy also sticks to one, two, out, one. I mean, how many times did you see Jimmy wham the ball? Okay, so where am I going with this? 
Okay. You have a WR1, which is Devontae Adams, the best in the league, and a WR2, Jacoby Myers. WR3 happens to also be an all-pro in um, Hunter Renfro. But he did not get those reads to him quick enough. I mean, not, excuse me, not, when I say quick enough, that makes it sound like Jimmy failed and he didn't. But if you're the third option, okay, so Jimmy comes to the line. Now, there were there were three plays in particular where I know that Hunter was the target, okay? Jimmy comes to the line, looks, he's in double coverage. So instantly you're going to go away from that. Why? Remember what I just said about bodies with Jerry Tillery. If, he, if one guy's engaging him, then you know everybody's got a hat on a hat. But if two guys do, it's like in basketball. If I double team you, somebody's open. And there were a couple of times, okay, he's double teamed. So even though he's my primary in this play, I'm going to make my pre-snap read and my post-snap read. You may remember me talking to you about that. So he looks, boom, I'm going to go here. Now, sometimes when you watch the game footage from the TV, you say, but he wasn't in double coverage. Okay. And sometimes you don't notice a safety over there. Who's going to, what they're going to do slot coverage. And what that means is they're going to have the corner, then Hunter, and then a safety. They've got him in a kind of a sandwich. And so uh, it was just a matter of reads. I'm going to tell you, they wanted Hunter more involved. Now, there were some things that the, the Broncos did well. You know, they tried to put pressure on Jimmy. They, they wanted, they, I don't know that I would use the term headhunting. Although there certainly was a couple of headhunter plays in that game. I I, I I just don't get the Jacoby Myers hit, um, the Jimmy Garoppolo hit. I Although that one I don't know um, was as egregious as I thought it was um, from my vantage point at the game. Um, do I think it wasn't good? Yes. Do I think it was egregious? No, I don't. Jacoby Myers, that was egregious. But – and so understand <clears throat> Hunter had those targets. And if they were trying to get him out of the, the, the flow, they wouldn't have done it. I mean, if you notice, there was very few targets that even went to tight ends when they were in a, you know, a two wide receiver set, which means Hunter wouldn't be on the field. So I, 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 I can tell you, I would, in fact, I would tell you um, if they were trying to not let him get hurt to trade him, he wouldn't have been on the field. That's not the issue. That's dead. But what I would tell you is that, um, sorry, I'm allergic to dust. Um, but what I would tell you is that uh, I just think it's the way the game played out. I heard someone use the term um, and he wasn't, I, I, I don't remember who, well, it doesn't matter. But I, that's just how the, the game um, matriculated and played out. So I wouldn't read into that. But I thought after watching, the, the Raiders' offensive line was significantly better. Um, I was very impressed. In fact, if you – I don't really take into account the preseason games, but if you look at um, the joint practices, I thought they were the best that they had been all year. I was really, really impressed with the offensive line. Jerry Tillery, too, again. I can't go back. I can't say enough about Jerry. He was really good. Um, I want to just quickly address the Chandler Jones issue because there's not going to be anything, especially this week. Um, I, I I don't see his return as imminent at all. And we're going to leave it there because it's a personal issue. And um, 
someone asked me, you know, well, don't you think it's personal that it's affecting the team? Yeah, that is, that is, that's our germane question. But what I would say to you is that um, he's not there. There is no anger in the locker room towards Josh and management of how the situation's being handled. I'm just at all. Um, I think that they all love Chandler. In fact, I, I'm going to tell you this. He may be one of the most popular players on the team. People love him, and they care for him, and they matter. Um, we're, we wrote an article about um, Mark Davis reaching out to him, which I thought was complete class, just complete class, and telling him to care more about you as a man than a player. Um, I like Chandler Jones a lot. Um I, I'm, I'm disappointed in him putting some of these text exchanges out because I think it's making him look bad. Um, and I don't want that. I just don't want that. I care for him as a man and I love him and I'm praying for him. And, and uh, I hope that you are too. And I want this situation to be resolved for him and all to be well for him and the Raiders. Don't wish anybody any ill will, but um I just don't see anything imminent there. And um, I have more about to say about it maybe later. But for right now, nothing imminent, nothing. Because I had a lot of people ask me, do you think he'll be back next week? No, don't. Um, I want to talk about the Marcus Peters penalty because he gets his penalty. And it wasn't pass interference, but I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't illegal touching. That isn't the word. But I, I forget the name. Forgive me. Tired. But what I would say about the Marcus Peters penalty is when the quarterback gets out of the pocket, and remember the pocket is from the outside shoulder of both tackles, not the tight ends, but the tackles. That's the pocket. It's just, it's that square area. When he gets outside the pocket, then the rules change. And I'm, for example, once the quarterback's out of the pocket, he can throw the ball away, and it's not intentional grounding. He'll avoid a sack. The Marcus Peters penalty, and I tweeted this at, <clears throat> at the time, made no sense to me because the quarterback was out of the pocket. But I still want to go back and review because I think it's important. I want to give the officials the benefit of the doubt. Terrible call. Terrible call. I mean, horrifically bad call. Oh, brutality. And uh, But the Raiders just overcame it. And to Marcus's credit, I'm going to give him a lot of credit here. He's an emotional player. He's fiery. I like him. He is a tiny, Richie incognito. Just seem going to get in there, right? The kisser. I just, I love his aggression. Um, to his credit, he didn't let that. Some guys who have his personality, you know, there's an old adage in football: don't let one play impact the next and what it means is if you have a good play don't celebrate and be so excited that the next play you suck and if you have a bad play don't be so down that the next play sucks because you're depressed i i watched him super close <clears throat> I, I was really impressed with him and it was a terrible call he knew it doesn't mean he was happy with it but i, I like the way marcus peters handled that showed a lot of leadership and i think that was pretty cool um Malcolm Koontz got some snaps. Um, I, I said immediately in my podcast after the game that I have huge expectations for him, and I was disappointed. That hasn't changed. 
Such a good kid. <laughs> but he's been around long enough. I mean, look at Divine Diablo. I said the same thing before the game about Divine Diablo. He been here long. He's been here long enough now. He's got to start putting you know, proof of the puddings in the eating. And I thought Divine played very well. Was he perfect? No, but nobody plays perfect. But I think he played very well. Malcolm, he was out there. I think he did a couple things good. I think he did a couple things bad. It was neutral. Well, at this stage in your career, I want him to be good. He's a kid. If you knew Malcolm Coons, you'd just like him. And I want him to be good. And at this stage in his career, I know how the National Football League works. And, and you know, they'll keep you around a short time because of um, promise. Not meaning they made promises, but they think you have promises to develop. They'll bring you along because they think you they can develop you into something. But that window is short. And for Malcolm Coons, it's a short window. And I want him to do good. And I think he could do better. In fact, I know he can. And um, But I said after the game, and I felt like I owed him that, I think he could have done more. Um, yes, here is something that I think a lot of people um, don't register. And I don't think it's because they're bad. Uh, I, you know, I was on the airplane recently. And I sat next to a guy who is a, a CEO of a trash company. And um, I love people's brains. I know what I know. So if I get to know you, I want to talk about you. I want to learn what you do. I'm fascinated about learning about other people. I'm a history buff. And, and, I, and I like learning about that. And so I asked him, what are some things about the trash business? that normal people don't realize. Cause I mean, I just think you come pick up my trash and go dump it at the, at the dump. And he was teaching me about logistics and trucks and, and um, I mean, I got done and I have a new appreciation for my trash guy and just the way the things they have to handle and biohazards and things that people, all, all kinds. I mean, the, the, the difficulty in running <clears throat> some of these, you know, expensive trucks with all their computers, that kind of stuff. I thought it was fascinating. And the reason I say that is, is so I'm not in the trash business. I don't know all of the logistics. I don't know what your business is, but I probably don't know all the logistics. Here's my point. A lot of fans don't know all of the logistics that go into a game. So a game comes in, you know, the, the, the you don't know what to do with the Broncos. So let me tell you, and I wasn't going to tell you this last week because I didn't want to give any advantages to the Broncos. So last week, they're not only looking at everything Sean Payton did uh, <clears throat> with the Saints, but he spent his time off going to all these other teams, <clears throat> analyzing what they do. So the Raiders had to almost put probably about 200% more effort. So into, okay, what do we have to game plan for? It was a very difficult game plan. And, um, you know, I always tell you there are things I'm not going to tell you because part of my job being a member of the Pro Football Writers Association is we get access, but we have to protect whatever team we cover. We can't share inner secrets that would be schematic or planning to help the other team. The Raiders had to put an inordinate amount of time. So the reason I think they were better in the second half, and I, and I talked to someone in the organization about it, 
was first half they're coming out, you know, they game plan for so much. So you're kind of having to keep your eyes wide open. Second half, you kind of knew now, okay, this is what they're going to do. And that's why they were like a boa constrictor in the second half. I mean, they were good and and not great, but good. And I think that they were they were able then to 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 um move the the scheme to the lowest common denominator, and then they were able to uh, play even better in the second half. And so, again, there's a lot of things the Raiders have to clean up. That was not clean game. I would say there's more to clean up than usual. Part of that again. Um, I think a lot of that was because of the defense having to plan for so much. And then when you got an idea of what their scheme was, then you were able to settle down. So you can say, well, that's an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. It's the reality. Um, one of the defensive players told me um, it was really hard because in certain formations, you expected they could do one or two or three things early in the second half. You kind of knew it was coming. I think that's why we played so much better in the second half. I think first half, we were so conscious about so much. And as you know, this game's meant to be played without thinking. It's just meant to be played. And you, absolutely, that's a great, that was a great point. So, um, and again, that was off camera. So that's why I didn't use a name, but that's kind of the schematics of what goes into it. So I think that was a very, that's, but there's a lot to clean up. You know, and and if you're one of those people, well, there's too many mistakes. You won. Okay. It's a lot easier cleaning things up after a win. And you move forward. <clears throat> but uh, I thought that was something that you needed to kind of know about. And that will help you understand why did the second half. Now, the other one is, is credit Patrick Graham by going and saying, okay, guys, we're going to, we're not going to worry about this. You know, they didn't do it or didn't they did it and it didn't work. So I think they're going to move away from it. I thought Patrick Graham and uh, man, anytime you compliment a coach on this staff, it, you you get a ton of criticism and I'm good with that. But uh, and I thought Patrick Graham, considering the voluminous amounts of information they had to game plan for. I, I thought his second half adjustments were dynamic, really, really good. He pared down the playbook. OK, we're not looking for this anymore whatever, whatever. I, I just thought, I, th I thought Patrick Graham's second half adjustments were terrific. Um, Now I want to talk about uh, yeah, I want to talk about the emotion in the locker room. So I'm down there and they come into the locker room and uh, I'm standing just outside of it. But I mean, there. And this was a bunch of guys. And 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 I'm, I'm trying to how I want to explain this. I'm, I'm going to use an example. Now, you guys know I'm familial, so I like to use my family as an example. Yeah. Back at Christmas of 20, I had promised my son back in 2018 when we heard that there was a new, and I think it's an Xbox 5 or a PlayStation 5. It's a, it's a white unit that my, my son plays video games on. I don't remember if it's an Xbox Five or PlayStation Five, but whatever it is, it's it's a it's a video gaming system. I think is what he calls it. And I'd promised him when it came out, I would get him one. So here we are, Christmas of twenty, and you couldn't find them in. Literally, you couldn't find them anywhere. And um, 
I was able to find one and it was extremely expensive, you know, considerably more than what they were selling for. But to me, it didn't matter. I had told my son in 2018, when it comes out, I'll buy you one. And so for me, it wasn't, it, it was a matter of, I want my son to always be able to know if my dad tells me he's going to do something, I can do it. It matters to me, should matter to every father. And so I had really, I mean, I had looked everywhere. I had looked in places in California. I was even willing to fly to uh, Florida where a place I had heard. And I called him and said, I'm willing to pay for it. I'll grab, I mean, if you won't ship it, I'll come get it because I give him my word. And I finally, you know, I kept telling him, son, I want you to know, I know I made you this promise. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. He's like, okay, dad. And so he gets this PlayStation 5. That, that's what it was, a PlayStation. And he opens it up and he was super excited because nobody had him. And uh, he comes over and he gives me this big hug. And he says, you know, dad, I, I'm super excited. I said, that makes me feel good, son. He said, but dad, yeah. sorry, this chokes me up a little bit. He said, I knew that it didn't matter if you had to go buy the parts yourself and build one. I was going to get one because that's my dad. Now, I don't say that to make me look good. I say it because I want to explain the emotion in the locker room. There are times when a team will win a football game and the emotion is, oh, my God, we upset them. We won. Wow, I was not expecting that. It is a kid at Christmas who gets a toy he never thought he would get. The emotion in the locker room was the emotion of my son. We expected to win. And we were right. It's a completely different month. In the three years that I have been covering, the four years, excuse me, of covering the Raiders, the first three, when they won, it wasn't that they didn't believe in themselves. It wasn't like they didn't have, you know, hey, we can do this. But these Raiders continually shot themselves in the foot, self-inflicted wounds. <clears throat> so when they won, it was more of a, we won. I hope, I, man, I hope my communicative skills are bringing this home to you. That locker room after the Denver Bronco game was, yeah, we knew we'd win. And we did. It's just... You may say, Hondo, you're making too much out of this. That's fine. But I'm there. And if you're not, and you don't get to see it, and you're not in that locker room, I, I, I got to tell you. So Josh Jacobs and I were visiting. It wasn't, there was no camera. It wasn't an interview. Just we were visiting about stuff. And because there was no, my rule, players and everyone else's, unless I have a recording device, it's off the record. Unless I ask you, can I use this without using your name? And so I won't tell you what it was, even though it was nothing real secretive, just because I didn't have a recording device and I, I would never betray Josh. But just sitting there talking to him, and it and it was a whole different. And Devante talking to him even off camera, just um, and then on camera, him admitting, yeah, we this wouldn't have been the case last year. Um, Jimmy's presence, um, Luke Masterson, just complete different demeanor. 
this team does not have an arrogant bone, but they believe in themselves now. And, and, and again, it doesn't mean last year's team didn't think they could win. I just think they always expected for the first three years. It was just, they expected even the year they went to the playoffs with Rich Passaccia. It was, I remember <clears throat> when they were going into the playoff game against Cincinnati, one of the players who's no longer on the team said, man, if this goes well and this goes well and this goes well, I think we could win. I remember just mentally processing that because I've covered a lot of teams and, and the, those that have taken the next step are like, you know, we're going to go in there and win. And yeah, if this happens or this happens, that, that we may have to adjust. We're going to win. That was the Raider mentality. And hey, we didn't. And let me just tell you, there was nobody in the locker room or in the coach's room or anywhere else pretending that was pretty. But you don't apologize for a win. And I thought that the emotion um, was just different. And that's why I, I, I did that. And I think it's important for you to understand it. Lastly, just two more things I want to cover. Uh, Jacoby Myers is in the uh, concussion protocol. Um, I can tell you that what I am hearing, and remember we follow the team, is the expectation of people that I spoke to is that he will be playing this weekend. That's the expectation. Doesn't mean they're not medical people. But so I know in my writing this week and my podcasting and my interviews and all of it, I'm going to be going until I hear differently um, with the expectation that Jacoby's going to play. And I thought, and, and so going back to Hunter, you know, when, when you've got Devante and you've got Jacoby both playing, and I told you guys all training camp, they were equally just as good. Nobody could stop them. And you're Hunter and you're the third read. It's not that you're a bad player. I mean, anybody that thinks Hunter Renfro is a bad player, it's just it's going to be nice. Anyways, so but when you're a boom, boom, out type of team, that's why when you're the targeted player, it's so vital that they be able to see, okay, you're in, you're in coverage and I'm going to get to you. I think um, if Jacoby is back, it's going to create a lot of issues for the Bills. I would be stunned if Jacoby is back if Hunter doesn't get more reps. I'm not more reps because he got a lot. I think he had 13 reps or 15 reps, but get more. I think he'll get some passes just because I think the bills are going to compensate. We're going to see, but that right there now puts the Denver Bronco game behind us. Now all my attention moving forward is going to be put squarely on the bills. Um, you may remember before the season, my prediction, I predicted the Raiders at this point would be one and oh, I correct so far. Um, and now we come into bills week. And we're going to break down the bills. I got a lot of analysis, got to watch film. Um, I am on my way to West Virginia to be where the Raiders, they're going to be practicing in West Virginia this week um, to get away. And you may remember they did it last year um, where they went to IMG Academy. I was not going to say anything, but I'm told it's out publicly. So I can, um, so I'm be there in West Virginia, having all the coverage of the Raiders from you there. Then I'll be in Buffalo 
And so we got a lot going on. And uh, so if you're wondering, are you going to hear any more? Don't send me any more questions on the bill on the Broncos till we get to the next Bronco week. It's behind us now. There's your Raiders. I think they are um, a lot to clean up, but they're one and all with no apologies uh, on a team that I said that if Jimmy stayed healthy for 17 games, they'd go nine and eight. And I've seen nothing to change my prediction. So I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. You, of course, are the Raider Nation. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we're part of the Fans First uh, Sports Network. Thanks for watching the Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Thanks, everybody. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa, whoa.